0: Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of move the ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the move the ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. And I'm going to just put it out there that if you haven't already done so be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also leave us a review. Okay, so today I've got a special guest with us, someone who I greatly admire as he has an amazing heart and is doing some awesome things that we'll talk about. Inside the huddle with us today and ready to help us to move the ball is Mr. Rob Baca. Rob is an entrepreneur, a people connector, philanthropist, father, husband, and cancer survivor. His unique experiences have inspired him to become a mentor to dozens of NFL players, coaches, and other professional athletes. And... He's on a mission to help NFL players, coaches, and other athletes make a bigger impact with their time, their relationships, and their money, and we'll talk about that in the show as well. Lastly, Rob is a partner at Signature FD, and he is the founder and director of player engagement for the Signature Pro Initiative, which we'll talk about too. Okay, you've heard me talk enough. Now it's time to hear from Rob. Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Jen, it's a great pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward
0: to this for a while. Yeah, I know we've been talking about having you on the show, and as I was getting ready for our chat today, I was just thinking back to the last time that we saw each other was last year at the NFL Combine, so it's been over a year since we've seen each other, and I was a little disappointed that the Combine morphed this year and we weren't going to be in Indianapolis, but it's great to have you on the show today, so thanks for joining us. Where I'd like to start off our conversation, you've been an entrepreneur for many, many years, had a great career. Let's start off by telling us about what was your first idea. What was your first uh, business entrepreneurial venture, and how did it come about?
1: That's a good question, and uh, I don't know that anybody's ever asked me that. But it was years ago, in the late '90s, early 2000s, where two really good friends of mine and I, who had been in the technology world, started a sales consulting business. And and when I say sales consulting, I just think the concept of sales is oftentimes misunderstood. To me, what it means is, does somebody have a challenge, an issue, or a problem that I might be able to help them fix? And if they do, then there's probably a good fit and let's go for it. And if they don't, then let's just stay friends. And I think that's the part that people get confused about when they think about sales they think about well i'm going to i'm going to make you buy this well maybe somebody doesn't need it so that's the nuance for me but that really was my first foray coming out of the technology world getting into that sales consulting world and then from there helping to start a few different companies that were focused on philanthropy and giving back and travel combined with real estate
0: and talk to us about what are some of the lessons that you've learned during your road or your journey of entrepreneurship because i'll i'll just say being somebody who fairly recently entered the world of entrepreneurship as you know it's a very different experience than being in a corporate career so share with us some of those lessons and takeaways that you've had on your journey
1: well first of all the greatest nugget that i could probably share is the concept of situational fluency and situational fluency in my mind is getting into rooms, and I don't mean walking into a room. I mean, getting into rooms, getting into scenarios, getting into opportunities, working with other people where you've got to think on your feet. You've got to bring good ideas. You've got to bring good execution skills. And you know what? It doesn't always work out the way you planned. Much like professional sports, a team goes into the Super Bowl with a game plan. They get down 17 to nothing for 10 nothing. And guess what? That game plan kind of goes out the window and you've got to adjust. So situational fluency means, particularly for an entrepreneur, getting yourself into opportunities, getting into rooms, working with people, doing your best, understanding that failure is part of the journey, taking those failures, correcting, tweaking, getting back on the bike, getting back into the room, doing it all over again and constantly, constantly refining until you develop situational fluency, and then you're going to keep learning beyond that. But that concept is what's really helped me through the years. It's having a focus on correcting the failures, not letting failure pull me down, because I believe failure is the path to ultimate success, but learning, correcting, and building a great background of of fluency in a lot of different areas.
0: I like that term, situational fluency. I've not heard that before. and You did a fantastic job explaining. I agree with everything that you you mentioned. So talk to us about when something doesn't go your way or you had an outcome that you think was heading one way and it went completely in a different direction and you did have to adjust and adapt. Can you share with us an example of that?
1: Yeah, well, it's first of all, it's about clarity and planning. It's probably a bad term, but I'm just gonna be transparent, right? I, I do something I call the murder board. And I put up, literally put up either a whiteboard or write down the different ways in scenarios, in business opportunities that I could get murdered or be murdered. So those things are challenges or obstacles that could come into play. Hopefully don't. And a lot of times they don't. But this is how you prepare. Just like I would imagine a, the head coach prepares going into a big game. On the NFL level, or NBA level, or Major League Baseball level, or hockey level, you've got to prepare for all the different ways you could get clipped or tripped, and so that's to me, that's the biggest thing you got to prepare for. And so, what are what are challenges that can come your way? Well, you're an entrepreneur and you're going through your business performa. My observation is that most entrepreneurs will go high on revenue and low on expenses, and so I. My experience is, if you think you're going to do a million dollars in your first year in revenue, you're probably going to do $500,000. If you think you're going to spend $500,000, you're probably going to spend a million. So you've got to plan and you've got to have contingencies to be able to throttle back expenses or find new ways to generate revenue, because oftentimes it just doesn't go according to plan.
0: I think that's great because I think being a lawyer, as lawyers, we're kind of trained to think about different scenarios and mitigating risk, but not everybody thinks about that when they're looking at their business. So I think that's a great point that you brought up in this murder board concept of planning out scenarios, having contingencies. And as you were saying, that people tend to uh, overstate or over forecast their revenue and under forecast their expenses. That's exactly. There's so many businesses that I've worked with where that has been the case. What has been the most satisfying moment for you as an entrepreneur?
1: Impact, the ability to make a bigger impact. And I don't think it matters whether you're an entrepreneur in the sense that you own the business outright, or you're an entrepreneur in the sense that you work in an entrepreneurial setting. You've got an entrepreneurial spirit, and you're part of a larger group. For example, I have founded or co-founded companies or entities where I was quote-unquote running the business, and I've also been part of groups or partnerships where I didn't found the entity, and I wasn't running the whole show, and it doesn't matter. What matters is, do you have the commitment? Do you have the discipline? Do you have the willingness to make an impact, to act in an ownership, entrepreneurial kind of way, like, hey, I own the house, I'm going to take care of it and be a steward versus I'm a renter and maybe I don't treat it the same way. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned impact. As you said that word, a big smile came on my face just because that's really what Move the Ball is all about, is making an impact. And I've been obviously connected with you for a few years now and just seeing all the great things that you're doing. And I know that you have a genuine heart and really care about making an impact in the world. So let's transition a little bit and talk about some of the great things that you're doing. And we'll talk about the athlete space, specifically. But before I get to making an impact there, let's talk just for a few minutes about great athletes and what in your mind really makes those elite athletes, sets them apart from the rest.
1: Well, it's, it's clarity and commitment. The willingness to do what others are not willing to do. It is having a plan. It's not only having a plan physically, but it's having a plan emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and off the field or For the court, for the ice. And I think that's a few of the attributes that really separate the great athletes. There are only a few enigmas that are so talented from a God given ability standpoint that they can get by being extraordinary and doing ordinary things. Most extraordinary people, athletes, human beings, philanthropists, leaders, are willing to put in the work, they're willing to plan, and they know that clarity is the key to success.
0: Great answer. Completely agree with that. Love it. So as you work with athletes, let's talk about kind of entering in. So when kids, we just had the path to the draft series, the NFL draft um as kids are going into the nfl i think more and more of them now are realizing that the nfl stands for not for long right it's that's not your career that is a part of your career but you're not going to be there forever so talk to us about when you're working with athletes as they're in the league what are you helping to instill in them and get them thinking about so that they can transition and be successful
1: yeah this is the area that i'm most passionate about and it really ties back to my personal why and purpose. First of all, if you don't have a why and a purpose and you haven't written it down, very difficult to practice it and it's very difficult to exude it and therefore other people are probably not gonna feel it. So the what and the how are really important, but they don't come before the why. You need the why to come before the what and the how And then the what and the how can be really effective. So for me, I've worked with, interviewed, spent time with, poured into, mentored, helped grow dozens of current and former pro athletes. And in all those conversations with 99% of former pro athletes, their feedback to me is almost exactly the same. I've had... Five or six meetings this week with former NFL players, they all told me, in effect, the same thing. I wish I would have known what I know now, then. I wish I would have prepared more. I wish I would have surrounded myself with people that could have poured into me, invested in me, enabled me, taught me, mentored me, as opposed to took from me. And so, if you could begin with the end in mind, if you were a 22 year old or 20 year old or 21 year old or 23 year old entering the league and you could see the future, you could change the trajectory of your life. You could change generational impact because so many of these young players go into the league. I think they have good intentions and they get pulled in the wrong direction. They get pulled by people who are not looking at the end. They're not looking to the future. They're not looking for what comes next after football or basketball or baseball. They're looking at what comes in this next year. And the reality is, for these young players, it's all about clarity of what comes next. It needs to be all about who are the five or six people I surround myself with. Because as the great uh, orator and motivator and business coach, Jim Rohn, who died a few years back, said, you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most. So if you're hanging out with people who are entrepreneurs and leaders and have the right mindset and have been successful and can help you, then you're in a really good spot. If you're hanging out with people where you're the best of the bunch at age 22, that's probably not great.
0: Right. And something that you talked about is clarity. And I'm going to throw in identity for these athletes, because as you're aware, you know, when you play a professional sport, your identity is around traditionally that sport, their team. And then one day it's gone. And if you haven't been thinking about the end in mind, then you're not clear on what's next. And oftentimes that uh, transition is difficult because it might have happened before you thought it was going to happen. So you weren't prepared for it. And so I think it's great what you're doing. It's something that I'm also passionate about, working with younger guys in the league, getting them prepared for success beyond the game. And it's actually neat for me to see that quite a number of guys have been reaching out. They've been getting on LinkedIn earlier because they've they've recognized the value of getting into the professional space and networking and surrounding themselves with other people outside of football so that they can prepare themselves for what's beyond the game.
1: I think you're 100% right. The reality is those young men who are thinking about mentors and the right team and preparing for what's next are the guys who are going to 10 years from now or 20 years from now, not lament the fact that they were unprepared. There are five relative items that almost every former NFL player mentions to me when we speak just as one did yesterday. And that is coaches, feedback, football, Routine and schedule. And here's what those things mean. When you play college football and then you play professional football, you have coaches all along the way for everything from nutrition to strength to position to defensive coordinator to head coach. You have lots of coaches. You get lots of feedback. Hey, in that rep there, You step first with your left foot. You need to step with your right foot and push. Lots of feedback all the time. You're grade. You're graded out on a game. Football. You're talking football all the time. Routine. You're in a routine. You know what you're doing on Monday. You know what you're doing on Wednesday. You know what you're doing in the offseason. And therefore, you have a schedule. Your life is really, really scheduled and regimented. When you leave the sport of football, or the sport of basketball or baseball, all of that stuff is gone overnight. And it is a massive transition. It is one that most young men underestimate wildly. And as a result, two, three, four, five years can go by without gainful employment, without a plan, without purpose, without determining who I am from an identity standpoint, because I've been so ingratiated and and, and ground into football, that bad things happen. So you need coaches post-career. You need a transition coach. You need a business coach. You need a life coach. You need somebody to help you be inspired like the coaches who inspired you to be your best on the football field or the basketball field.
0: Absolutely. And that's not just unique to the world of professional sports. Also, as you're aware, Rob, in the the veteran space, same thing. You've got a routine. You're told where to report what you're going to, you know what to wear, right? You got your uniform and what, which one you're supposed to wear. So you have this regimented schedule and then it's gone. And then you don't have these people giving you the feedback or coaching you along the way. So I think it's very important for these young men in the league to really start thinking about what's next and people like yourself that are there to help them to make it a smooth transition and then to be successful beyond the game. So let's talk about your role as director of player engagement with the Signature Pro Initiative. Tell us a little bit more about that outside of anything that we might have already discussed.
1: Yeah. So I brought that element, I brought the element a business coach, life coach, transition coach, along with philanthropy and charity coach to the world of sports. I've tucked into what's called a family office. So if you think about the elements of your life and my life and the life of a football player, I kind of boil things down into three buckets. I like the number three. I think you can get your arms around it. Harder to get your arms around eight buckets. Like, picture carrying eight buckets up the stairs i'm not going to happen really well so if i have three buckets and one is life which is really relationships two is business that's what i do to earn an, an income and earn a living and three is money that's what i have left after i live life and i earn an income from my business right so if you think about those three buckets most people particularly athletes have those three buckets Pretty disjointed. They go about their life, they go about their business, which is football, and then they have money and it's over here, and it's either invested in a balanced portfolio, or it's invested in businesses, or it's used for a variety of different sometimes to help a family member, but those things are, are separate and separated. What I did was I embarked on a way to bring those three areas into synchronicity so that qualified and registered NFLPA financial advisors who have great experience credentials, the CFA, CFP, and CPA designations, which are very rare in one team, have that from a financial standpoint to take care of the financial bucket, have me, who's been an entrepreneur and a philanthropist, to help take care of the business coach bucket, and then have me also be a life coach where I can mentor guys, help them in certain situations, and really be a player engagement executive like they're used to. So I'm extending what they had in their career. It's very rare to see that because most guys leave the game and they have a financial advisor. Their agent doesn't spend a lot of time with them anymore, right? Because there's no more contracts. Their coaches are gone. And now they're just left with a financial advisor. So I believe you need a financial advisor that knows what's going on in your life and can help your business, not just somebody who can watch after your, your stocks and bonds and real estate investments. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Yes. And now something else that you're doing as well as you have a podcast, Making Your Mark, you're about to launch another podcast, Football Moms um, with a co-host. Talk to us about your podcasting.
1: Yeah. So I've been a guest on a number of different podcasts and that's, kind of inspired me to either help others start podcasts or, or have my own guests on, on Making Your Mark. And, and so Making Your Mark is about what is it that you're doing to make an impact in the community, in relationships, and in your life off the field as an athlete. So that's what Making Your Mark is. And we've had some great guests from Grady Jarrett of the Falcons to Sean Weatherspoon to C.J. Anderson and others. And then this new podcast, really dynamic, incredible woman, Grady Jarrett's mom, Alicia Jarrett. She's accomplished so much in her career. She's about to retire. She's undertaking a really cool, ambitious project featuring football moms. So I'm helping her launch her podcast, Football Moms with Alicia Jarrett, really get inside and behind the shield of the NFL an insider look at the lives of NFL players and how they react and relate to their mothers and just chock full of stories and behind the scenes stuff. I think it's going to be really special. And that launches later this spring, early summer.
0: Oh, that's great. I look forward to listening. I work with, I interact with a lot of football moms. I hear about the craziness as they're moving their kids, you know, these young 22, 23 year old kids to different parts of the country to get signed with new teams and just some of the craziness that goes on. So I for one am definitely gonna be subscribing and am excited to listen to those episodes. Rob, what I wanna do now is I want to transition to what I call my two minute drill. Gonna just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I am. First one is what did you want to be when you were ten years old?
1: Probably something that dealt with sports. And when I was ten I wasn't playing football, not really big in the youth football world on the Jersey shore in New Jersey. So I think it's probably a baseball player or a basketball player.
0: The next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life?
1: That's a good one. Got to be Tom Cruise or Kevin Costner.
0: Good choices. Both good choices. All right. My next one is, what is your favorite vacation spot?
1: Anywhere that has turquoise waters. Probably the coolest vacation spot we've gone on as a family has been Turks and Caicos.
0: Oh, I have not been there. I've seen pictures. One day, I plan to go there. Next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor?
1: coffee It's
0: my daughter's favorite as well. How about, what is a pet peeve of yours?
1: Giving all you got. If you're not giving all you've got and you're being lazy, that's a pet peeve of mine.
0: Got it. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I'm
1: listening to Eric Wood's podcast. Eric Wood played for the Buffalo Bills for many years, was forced to leave the game due to injury, but he's got some really great, really great guests Uh, on his podcast and then the book I'm reading is the Bible so I'm I'm in two or three different Bible studies at this point so the Bible is a book I can never get enough of
0: that's great I'm a person of faith as well, and especially with what's been going on over the last year with this pandemic and all the uncertainty, it's really been, if you hold on to your faith, you get through it and you're kind of at peace and you know that you can get through anything. And so that's a great book to read. I've had other guests on the show also share that they're currently reading the Bible again as well. My last question for you is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people. Who would you choose and why? Oh, and they can be living or deceased.
1: I would invite Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass has some unbelievable quotes that I've always referred to in sort of my, my journey. So I'd invite Frederick Douglass, I'd invite Ronald Reagan, and maybe because it had such an impact on me in college, the lead singer of Whitesnake. Now, no oh, one I... no one under the age of 42 will know what Whitesnake is, but I'm assuming you do.
0: I do not.
1: <laughs> it's a heavy metal band, it's a rock band, come on.
0: So as we look to end today's show, Rob, share with us where can people follow you.
1: I am on Instagram, Instagram and LinkedIn, although I am on Facebook and Twitter. I use those less. So on Instagram, it's it's my name, R-O-B-V is in Victor, a K A. Sounds like vodka. So R-O-B-V-A-K-A. And same thing with LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. But Instagram and
0: LinkedIn are the best spots. Okay, and we'll be sure to put those in the show notes. Any last thoughts as we're looking to close the show? You know, I'd leave people with this. What helps me with
1: clarity and certainty in times of uncertainty are having a personal mission statement, clarity in the roles that I play in my life, and a big three, I call it a big three, of things I stand for and live for every day. And those three are always have an attitude of gratitude, always give more than I get, and always build people up as opposed to tear them down.
0: Love it. Great final thoughts. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thanks, Jen. Great to be with you.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball.